Constructing your life is about much more than just building a bank account. Each week, join real estate entrepreneur and mindset coach Austin Linney as he interviews guests who are constructing their dream lives and impacting the world around them on a daily basis. If you're an entrepreneur or wanting to start a business or you just want to hear motivating stories of how others have overcome the odds, you are in the right place. And now for your host, Austin Linney. Guys, welcome back to Construct Your Life. This is Austin Linney here, and I have the honor of having Mr. Travis Hill in the house. How are you doing, sir? I am awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Glad to be here, man. You got it. I appreciate you. Guys, before we get started, I want to thank our uh, sponsor, uh, dreamchasers.com, Adam Carswell. Go check him out if you haven't, uh, putting out amazing content. But Mr. Hill, um, we got connected by Mr. Adam, and I want to, I don't know much about you, um, I do know that you're probably one of the nicest guys I've ever met because you've been checking on me, making sure I didn't freeze to death over here in Texas. Uh, so I appreciate that. But I kind of let my guests tell their story where they want to, and, and we'll kind of go from there. Okay. Uh, well, hey, I appreciate that. I'm have to give you a raise on that nice comment. But uh, yeah, I've got some family and friends in Texas. So glad that you're able to get out of the uh, that Texas stuff and make it over to my hometown of Arizona and enjoy a, a good weather. Uh, winter weather anyways. So my name is Travis Hill. Uh, I'm an active duty Marine. I've been in the Marine Corps going on 17 years and married family of four, super stoked. And uh, my goal is not to have a W-2 job when I retire. Ooh. To focus solely on real estate and cash flow and buy and hold and all the many aspects that real estate provides. Uh, I currently have single family homes in Milwaukee. I've got some land in Arizona. I'm an LP in a syndication in Texas. I've got a fiveplex in Cleveland. So um, kind of like being all over. And yeah. definitely interested in uh, assisted living and how that works with the baby boomers coming and going and aging and preparing for their quality of life uh, into their, I guess, diamond years, past their golden years. And um, live here, I'm stationed at Camp Pendleton. I cannot speak more of uh, the opportunity I had to live here in sunny San Clemente where the average temperature is 72 degrees and I have a four minute walk that direction. Uh -huh. Best surf pricks in, in the whole county, country probably. And uh, yeah, it's absolutely amazing the opportunity the, that I have to, to do that. And that's the, that's the base that's right above Carlsbad, Oceanside, right? Correct, yep. So I laugh because we had a bunch of Airbnbs in San Diego, Carlsbad, and Oceanside. And I think to myself, if I knew what that military base's land was valued at, I can only imagine. It's got to be in the multi-billions, right? I mean, there is no, and I'm sure there's beautiful military bases in other places, but I don't think there's a better stretch of real estate than that base is. No, well, and it's the reserve. So you have, you know, mountain lions, deer, there's bison on there, buffalo, depending on mm -hmm. where you're from. Mm -hmm. uh, so it is, it's a thing. Um, mm -hmm. you, you can't go to the range and shoot an animal and not go to prison. 
thing too. <laughs> I love it. And so, you know, it's interesting. I, I talk to a lot of my business partners in the military currently down in Hawaii. He's a helicopter pilot in the army uh, for my Airbnb company. And 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 I, I didn't serve. Um, I tried to go in the Coast Guard. I have metal plates in my face. It was a whole thing. It, it, they wouldn't let me in now. I don't know. They 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 probably let you know everybody in, but they weren't having me. So it is what it is. Uh, I probably could have used the military myself, but I always there's two types of people that I always do business with: military guys and people that are in recovery from drugs and alcohol. And the reason I picked those two uh, classes is because military guys are very structured. They're very driven. They can carp minimum. They can, you know, they can do a couple different things, and then recovery people are just so damn happy to be alive that they they fight and kick harder than other people. And so, what do you think it is about the military? Is it the training? Is it the type of person that comes in the military? What do you think creates such a great investor? Because I've noticed, right, a good friend of mine, Eric Upchurch, uh, you know, passive duty investing creates is trying to give all these military guys a, another way out than just going to get some regular job oh i totally agree I, I i echo those those sentiments because we get i think in the military well to answer your first question i think that we and i'm only going to speak for the marine corps i'm not going to speak for the branches because i think we know that the other branches matter but i digress uh we we're, we're taught you know, from boot camp of who we are, where we came from, we're talking, we, we learn about our history, we learn about why Marines are what Marines are. And we learn about the critical path. Um, you know, and, and I'm a stage three colon cancer survivor. I was diagnosed in 2019 when I was stationed in Okinawa. And you learn the, in the Marine Corps where the critical path is. And when you learn what the critical path is, you just move forward and your emotions and the environment and everything else doesn't matter because, hey, that's my mission. That's what I'm supposed to accomplish. Mm -hmm. And that mindset, you know, that that initiative and having a bias for action, like, hey, I've got to get after it and do this is what makes, I think, Marines, the the fighting force and, and the history and the legends and, you know, everything that we have that, to, that makes Marines Marines. Uh, I think the Marine Corps and maybe the military in general is probably one of the only institutions that the longer you stay at work, the more productive they think you're, you are, which is probably not the case. But uh, I don't know. Like I, I think you have, with the mastermind that I'm in, with the, the connections and the network that I'm able to grow and, and be a part of, and the relationships that I've been able to establish, like that common bond of, hey, you're in the military, I'm in the military, you're pursuing something greater than yourself. You're you're trying to get a side hustle. You see greater greater greatness in what you're not only in your in outside your day job makes everything awesome. So so think of it this way, and, and there's so many ways I could go with this, but I'm going to go in a different direction because I'm me. The day and age that we're in right now, there's so much going on. There's so much social media. There's so many things. You know, people really get like a five second. Like, oh, okay, either don't like that guy. What is he about? Boom. And they might like move off of you. There are certain things that you can do in life or, or the things that define you, right? Like the military or like I did 75 hard for 150 days straight. When people meet me, they don't need to meet me to know what I stand for. Like he's the guys the other day is like, oh yeah, hell yeah, I'll take a meeting with you. You doing 75 hard? Like I know who you are as a person because if you're doing that program, 
And so that's the way I feel about the, the military too. Oh, okay. Like you've done that, then we can talk business or we can talk about going into partnership together because you say you do what you say you're going to do. And so you have to be careful in life. And this is what I, I hope everybody does is be careful with the things that you're putting your name on because those things might define who you are from somebody else's point of view. Totally. Yeah. And so when did the spark for real estate uh, start for you in this, this quest to not have a W-2 job? It started 20 years ago. I uh, was living in Vegas. I graduated college. I was living in Vegas with uh, my girlfriend, now wife, and she was a wholesale lender. And she's like, hey, home prices are pretty good. You should probably check it out. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. And so what I did is I would go to phase one of a community, buy the second biggest house, and then house hack it and wait for phase six, phase seven, phase eight mm. to be released, mm. refinance it and do it again. So everything was great. I was single. It was awesome. I was working for a civil engineering company, you know, doing all their drawings and, and draft and everything else. So life was great. And then 9-11 uh, happened, joined the Marine Corps. And then 2008 hit. So while Vegas was doing wonderful, I did not see the writing on the wall. So when I, when I, the example I share with people is like, I was so focused on the ants crawling on the bark of my trees that I didn't see the forest fire burning around me. Mm -hmm. And uh, so by 2011, I'm a father of two kids with two deployments, three deployments and no properties in 99 and everything. And then we are like starting over and I'm, you know, early thirties. And so did you have to, did you have to like get those house foreclosed on or did you just hang on to them? Like what, what happened? Oh, they all foreclosed. We, we just like worked with the mortgage company and did what everybody else did and tried to salvage whatever we could salvage. And, and we learned that, uh, you know, as home prices dropped, so did our rent. And because I was refinancing each house previously to, to purchase the next one or create the down payment, uh, you know, I kind of had a house of cards per se. And mm -hmm. just, you know, I remember being in North Carolina when we were stationed at Cherry Point. And this is, you know, again, this is like late 2010, early 2011. And I remember pumping like four grand a month and I'm making, you know, like my reserves are gone. My savings is gone. Um, I'm like, okay, do we put these things on credit cards? And we just came to the point where like, hey, we just can't hold on to them anymore. And we got to let them go. And so we did. What would you tell that guy back then, that as you sit here today, what, what advice would you give to give that guy? I would tell him to manage your trees, but supervise the forest. Like be aware of what is going on in the market. Don't be afraid to watch C-SPAN when they go about the finance community ever and then, you know, understand what the bond yield does and why it is, what is inflation and, and um, you know, maybe diversify more real estate. You know, I didn't know that there was so many different ways to diversify and kind of help protect your money and and, and provide uh, alternate streams of income if one aspect of real estate decides to go down. And and I think the hardest thing, right, the financial aspects of it is not fun. It, you know, it's an undressing, it's a whole thing, and you got to clean up your mess. But how do you bounce back as a as a as a father and a, and a, just a man in general from the from the ego? death that I would imagine, you know, that is to me is the hardest part to pick yourself up back again and, and get back out there because it is something that bit you. 
And so a lot of people, maybe, maybe that's the issue with a lot of people is they let it bite them once and they put it away for the rest of their life. Oh, my, my, my dad asked me that same question. You know, it was like $1.2 million of, of net worth and it was gone, you know, and he's like, well, why would you ever want to start again? I'm like, because I can, I build forward. Like I know I can do it. And if I can do it then to this point, I know I can do achieve more as, uh, as I gain more knowledge and experience and, like, isn't that what life's all about is being able to fail forward and like, Hey, this is, this is the, uh, this sucked. And, but I got through it. I'm still alive. I still have my family. We, we, I had a paycheck coming in. Right. So worst case scenario, I wait till the 15th to receive another one. But, uh, you know, you just, you have to get up. You have to make the decision that that's not going to define who you are. I had an obligation as a Marine, you know, to not to like, Oh, that battle sucked, but I'm going to win the war. Had, a, mm-hmm. had an obligation to set the example for my children, even though they were small, um, to be the breadwinner as a, as a, you know, as a traditional family, like all of that stuff pursued, you know, made me drive forward. I try to tell everybody, and I think you'll resonate with this. It's like, I've made a decision, <laughs> whether or not I want to or not, that I'm an entrepreneur and a real estate investor. What would you like me to do? Would you like me to go sell perfume at Abercrombie and Finch? Like, what's what's the fucking option, guys? Like, this is where I've gone. I've realized that I can never work for anybody else because I don't want to listen to them, and I have my own dreams. And and I try to tell people like they act like getting into this space. There's another option. What's the option? There is no option. Do you want financial freedom? Do you want to buy back your time? Do you want to show your kids there's a way? And do you want to call the shots? That's it. And it doesn't have to be overnight. It can be in 10 years, 20 years, but like there's no other option. And so when you picked yourself up and you started investing again, what was the first thing that you got back into? Uh, first thing we got back into was we got a reserve. We, we, we lived a little Dave Ramsey. So, you know, we, we don't have debt anyways. Um, so we made sure that our reserves were back. We made sure that uh, when each kid was born, we set up a UTMA, you know, we put like, money in there for them. It's like, Hey, if this, if this creates a dollar, if this creates a million dollars, like good for you, you're going to get it later on. Sure. And then, um, we just started looking and we started growing and we, and we sat down my wife and I, and we just made our goals. We made our yearly goals. We made our quarterly goals. We made our, you know, biannual goals. Like we made all these goals. It's like, Hey, this is, we understand that there's a, there is a ending to the Marine Corps and there's other ways to achieve financial freedom that gives us back the freedom of time. Uh, you know, I, I deployed twice to Iraq, twice to Iraq and twice to Afghanistan. And I want some of that time back when my kids are older, maybe they're in college and I can come visit them during spring break or, or whatever, instead of uh, not having the opportunity to see any of my kids born. Cause I was, I was deployed, you know, like that's, that's the thing. Um, not being with my wife the first two years of our, well, First year and a half of our marriage, we never we didn't live under the same roof. The only time that we saw her, we saw each other, is when we came to visit. So these are the things that experiences that shaped our life to help us pursue uh, freedom of time, freedom of opportunity. Mm-hmm. For sure, and you know, a lot of people wouldn't. You know, you keep talking about different asset class and everything. Like, what is your like? Obviously, the market dictates certain things, but but ultimately, what are you seeking as an investor when you're out there looking for properties? Because you're in a couple different markets, are you are you seeking operators to team up with and invest in, or are you buying your own assets? What are what are the things that you look for as an investor? 
I don't have anything specific. I think whatever opportunities present themselves. Uh, I know some people are like dead set against shiny object syndrome, and I'm perfectly accepting of it. Uh, and you know, between the different different states that I'm in, the different asset asset classes, my relationship with with people is very important because I'm an out of state investor primarily. And so creating that relationship and just sitting down and having communications and conversations that relate to the future and to see each other's vision and to share that vision. And that's huge. That's awesome. And, you know, whether it's private lending or if it's creating a deal, connecting the unconnected or, you know, passing on like, Hey, this guy's doing a syndication. Um, would you be interested in, in talking to these guys and, and like, Oh yeah, cool. And then they go ahead and do, you know, they fund an LP. Hey, awesome. You know, that your success is my happiness is kind of how I want to live in regards to uh, real estate. Yeah. And and it depends on the way your brain works, right? Like somebody like Austin, I don't, you're, you've got this company over here and you're investing over there and you're doing that. And I'm like, I'm just basically, I try to stay like five years ahead of the trend. And if I'm like, I always want to ride the wave and I'm, I'm trying not to be the last guy at the party. I'm trying not to be the first one. I'm just like, I try to think outside the box and it's, it's served me well to, to see something coming along. Like you're in, you're in like momentum in a market, right. Or like momentum in investing is something that's never talked about. And I think momentum, that first property so hard that, um, but once you get rolling, it really is. I I feel like the opportunities start flowing in a a lot. Most definitely. If if somebody would told me a year ago that I would have, uh, I'd be an LP in a 120 unit apartment complex, a five plex, and you know, I'd be closing on another, my third single family. Uh, I would have been like, you're talking to the wrong dude. How's everybody doing guys. I want to talk today about our sponsor for May. You know, a good friend of mine, Mark Simpson runs a company, uh, boostly.co.uk guys, everybody knows that I'm in the short-term rental space for many years. And I think one of the reasons, one of the quotes he said to me was, you can't build your real estate on somebody else's property. And it really resonated with me because we are so reliant on an Airbnb, a home away, these systems, right? And in headed into this year, it's very important that we get direct bookings and they're the best in the business of this. So in 2021, everybody needs to be building a website to create direct bookings. And you can't rely on Airbnb plus you're giving them a ton of money. And so 64% of all the websites are powered by WordPress. And these uh, private message companies that offer you the free website, they're not on WordPress. And so it's this trick that they're doing. And, you know, these guys are the best in the business, the best in the world. And I'm not just saying that uh, because I use them. I'm saying that because they are. It's the simple fact is that they, they service over 600 clients worldwide and you need to get this done and you can get it started for as little as 99 bucks a month. And you could do that with one property, a hundred properties, but you need to be capturing emails. You need to be sending uh, direct marketing back to these guests. And the way to do that is to create a website. And these guys are the best in the business. When you get direct bookings, you're saving money every year and the profit margins can be exponential. And so if you want to learn more about them, head on over to boostly.co.uk slash construct your life. Not only is Mark a great entrepreneur and CEO, but he's a great person as well. No, for sure. And so what 
for any new, I get a lot of young investors uh, listening to my podcast. What advice would you give them when they're looking for their first couple of deals um, that you've learned over the time uh, after investing for so long? Shoot, have a bias for action. Don't do analysis paralysis. You got to take the next step. There's no comfort in the growth zone and no growth in the comfort zone ever. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You got to move forward and be willing to uh, make mistakes, pick yourself up and know that you're, you're failing forward. Mm -hmm. I and love that. Just wrap it in being a good person, right? Put your mm -hmm. ego aside, be humble, maybe listen to a couple of Jocko podcasts, you know, but like <laughs> get after it and, and just be humble. And you'll be amazed that if it, you're not out for yourself and you're out for the collective whole, dude, the universe is a beautiful place to be. His book, I'm not saying it's the reason I got sober, but it's the definition of the reason I got sober. And, and what I mean by that is I'm the CEO of my, of my company and my brand, right? And so there's a lot of frustration from time to time when, it, when a teammate or, or an investor or somebody drops the ball. But, but, but through my studies of stoicism and through my studies of, of Jocko and everything, is understanding that ultimately the guy that's staring back at me in the mirror is the only one that I have to, to answer to. And if my emotions get out of control, it's because I didn't communicate properly to my team. And when you live there, it makes your world a lot more or less shrapnel, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, and it's so, what is your... I'd be interested because I've never talked about this on the podcast and I believe it as well because my mom's a big nurse in the hospice. So I believe this. What are your indications and in kind of your thought process on the assisted living that I do see as the next 20, 30 years is a huge market that more importantly is not done the traditional way that everybody thinks it's done where it's changing a little bit? Well, yeah, COVID has created that. I think that you're going to see a much smaller footprint um, I think that assisted living is whether, however you want to define it, right? There's like every single definition under the sun as far as don't care, assisted living, whatever that is. I think that when you get smaller homes, like, um, you know, one or two patients per house or one room or whatever the state allows that, that may or may not require licensing, you're going to have that personal connection. And I think that with COVID kind of still in our minds, people aren't going to want to go and visit 20, 30, 40, 50, 100 unit complexes. They want to see one person, two people, three people. And I think that that's going to be a huge driver for their homes that come on the market as they age out of that house or they convert that house, or you find smaller two, three, four uh, multifamilies that stay residential to kind of keep that close um, occupancy slash relationship with the administrators, the caregivers, and the patients that that the family's going to like enjoy them, mm -hmm. and and I and I I've stressed to people that ultimately you can control the asset, but you don't technically have to be the one running the operations. You could just lease your home out or, or rent it out to an operation company that maybe has operations across the country, so you don't have to get the health code stuff. You don't have to be the nurse, and so that's what people don't understand is everything's. Everything's an option. Yes, totally. Yeah, you just got to find that company that wants to branch out or and enjoys, uh, you know, running a a row in uh, a single family home. 
And what what is that that you just said? I've never heard that before. Oh, RAL, Residential Assisted Living. Okay, okay. And as you've looked into it, is there a lot of things that you have to get approved by the city, like zoning-wise, or is it kind of open to interpretation currently? I'm, I haven't dug into it. No, so there is. So every state's different. Um, I was a little bit on uh, looking in Springfield. So like Springfield is like one, or Missouri, their state law is like one patient per room. And of course, you got to make it wheelchair and elderly friendly, the, mm -hmm. the, the property. So wider doorways, uh, no lift showers, um, you know, ramps, no carpet, that type of thing. Uh, but every state is different. Every state requires either there's a minimum number of patients per room to the maximum number. And then some states, if you go small enough, it's not a license requirement, where, meaning that you don't get inspected. But that again, that's a state by state thing. Well, it's funny that you're looking at Missouri because the company is distributing out of Kansas City. So we could go, we could go build our entire, we can go build a whole 10 acres of, of three unit houses with assisted living and go, go to town. Absolutely. Like you can go get 10 or 15 acres and you can, mm -hmm. there's, there's different levels of care within assisted living, right? So you have everything from just helping you your medication on to full on trim your toenails, comb your hair, everything. And then yeah. imagine having 15 acres and you have like four quadplexes sitting right there in four different areas with a, with a middle community center or uh, something. And you just kind of rotate through that. And man, that's, I think that is fantastic. Yeah. The guy we're, the guy we're doing business with on the pod system had just built an 88 unit uh, assisted living facility in six months. So it's like, you know, so it's like you have to really understand like how much you want to be involved in it. And like me personally, <laughs> I don't want to be running the thing, but there's plenty of companies to partner up with and I can control the asset because what people don't understand, my mom, there's a lady down in Southeast Texas that has an eight room like old plantation house and she's uh, cash flowing $9,000 a month from that, from that house. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, I'm the same way. I want to be a landlord and, and I want to work with a company that comes in and wants to lease it for, you know, do a five-year lease. Cool. And we'll figure mm -hmm. out the numbers. Not a problem. For sure. And so um, as you embark on being a straight-up investor and moving out of the military space, are you going to continue to like, I'm just curious your vision on your, your next couple of years. Are you going to continue to invest in a couple of different assets? Or are you looking to get into large multifamilies like what do you see yourself as doing or, or just kind of being a just an investor in, in a couple of different fields totally being an investor um because i enjoy connecting the unconnected that's kind of seems to be my superpower mm -hmm. uh if that leads to opportunities in larger multifamilies as, as far as like maybe a gp option or something or, or a capital help assist with capital raise i like that i like doing that i also would wouldn't mind um being a project manager for an investment firm that just travels the country and says, Hey, like checks on this area, checks on these, and you're just kind of doing that working with contractors, working with subs. I'm an engineer in the Marine Corps. So as an engineer, like we have people and I have equipment with your resources and I have a deadline and I just repeat that over and over and over again. So, you know, you can't charge construction, you know, construction on a note, like whatever that piece is. Yeah. We can talk of that, but having a deadline and resources and, and maneuvering within that, and that's super fun, super fun. Wow. And, and 
seeing the end result, right? Seeing the end in mind and then working backwards to my present state to be able to like, okay, this is what I need. Because whenever we get a project like, hey, we need to make this, you know, runway or we need to make this uh, landing zone and it's got to be this by this. Well, that's, the, that's what I see in my mind is that beautiful flat thing made out of from our equipment. And then I work backwards to be like, okay. And then of course, planning with the team to be able to make the best decisions because I can't plan in a vacuum. Even uh, some people think that because you're in charge or you're the platoon commander or the officer in charge that you can sit in your office and make all the decisions. Now, I firmly disagree. I think that you need to bring your team. Everybody gets a different set of eyes and then everybody has the, uh, you create the environment as a leader to be able to everyone pitch in because when you weigh in for the buy-in, everybody's moving forward because they realize that they have to drive a piece of the bus. And when you, and when you as a leader remove their ability to have creative thoughts, then you remove their ability to grow. And when you remove their ability to grow, they want nothing to do with you anymore. Absolutely. My job as a platoon commander is to create autonomy at the subordinate ranks and at the small unit level. And the more autonomy that I can help create or the, and create the environment and foster that environment, that failure is a way to learn and grow instead of zero defect mentality. And people do amazing things. It's 100%. And it's funny because I've done a lot of podcasts in the last two days. And the last three have been with marketing people. And I told them something that I truly believe in. And as you're sitting here today and I'm getting to know you, I believe this too. If you came to me and you said, Austin, I've got a deal, I'm gonna run it. This is exactly what I'm gonna do. I would literally, and I'm not doing this for effect. I would literally hand you like $500,000 and go, have, have a good time. Let me know when it's done. Because that's who I know who you are as a person. So if you believe that relationships don't matter in fucking investing in real estate, then you can go screw yourself. Like, because it matters, right? Because here's, here's what I don't want to do. I don't want to dig through the numbers of a deal because it's not my strong suit. That's why I'm partnered with civil engineers. That's right. why I'm partnered with people like you that understand the, the aspects of these things. What they're asking me to do is put all the pieces together and, and create the buzz. Oh, I can do that all day long. And so what I've learned to do is create the avenues where everybody can elevate themselves into the highest version of themselves and then operate because I think where we deal in just in business and military and everything, the moment that you're lying to yourself about where you need to be, that tree limb that you're on is the moment that you get caught and the moment that you lose money and the moment that you feel like you're not living your truths, you'll get caught if you're lying to yourself about who, who and what your strengths are. Right. And being smart enough and mature enough to understand when imposter syndrome is happening and when you are actually on your limb, you know, that, that limb is breaking. Oh, amen. I couldn't agree more because half the time you need to tell your inner bitch voice to shut up and just lean in, right? Because if you I, lean in, I promise you on the other side of that, you're going to get, you're going to feel better about yourself. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. I love it. Man, dude, I, I like, I like, like, what do they say in England? I like the cut of your trousers. Like, you know, I like I like what you stand for, man. I, it's, you know, because ultimately it's about leaving the world better than we found it. It's not very complicated. And you're, you picked yourself up and you asked yourself, okay, like I, I've, I'm better for it, right? One of my favorite things, like Jim Rohn, I listen to Jim Rohn like all the time. And he says, my mentor told me, when I was 25, he said, I want you to create a goal to be a millionaire. And he goes, that's dumb. He's like, that's a stupid goal. Like, why would I do that? And he's like, well, I became a millionaire. 
at 27 and then I lost it all because of a bad financial decision. And then I realized that wasn't the actual goal. Like the goal was the person I became becoming a millionaire. And now I have the skills to go get it all back. And so the person that you became leading up to you having to have your house foreclosed on is the true asset that was created. So the rest of the stuff is fucking relative. Yep, totally agree. We have in our board, we have our vision board for our kids, right? And our yearly goals as a family. And we have the uh, cash flow quadrant on there. And my 10-year-old, I have four kids, right? I mentioned earlier, my 10-year-old's like, he's looking at it and he's like, dad, employees, I get paid as an employer, I get paid for time. I'm like, yes, that's correct. Like, but if I make businesses, then I pay people to do my work. And then if I invest that money, then I get paid to invest that money. Yes, that's correct. He's like, I'm going to be a business and investor. I'm like, oh, you are? He's like, yeah. I said, that's what I want to do. I'm like, okay, what do you want to do that in? Uh, I'm going to choose real estate. Okay, cool. Uh, when would you like to start? Uh, I think like 16. Like, oh, okay, cool. That, that works. Do you, you want to read some books or listen to podcasts right now? No, I think I'll wait a couple more years before I do that. Oh, all right, cool. <laughs> Dude, uh, my buddy, uh, Henry, who's invested in like 700 units out of San Francisco, we're talking about his son on the pocket. He's 13 years old and he wanted new sneakers. And he said, okay, fine. You need to read Rich Dad Poor Dad and give me a report. And so he read the book in two days and he gave him like a whole report and then he bought the sneakers. Well, he was in school and his teacher was talking about stocks and he raised his hand and he said, listen, He's like, I'm sure Amazon, this is what he said. I'm sure Amazon's a great company, but also Mr. Jeff Bezos, he could get upset and he could tank, he could affect the stock. He goes, so you technically, you don't truly own anything. So if you were invested in multifamily assets, then you would have control of the asset. And Henry was like, I've never been more, <laughs> he's like, I've never been more proud in my life, right? And so when I went home for Christmas, to my best friends, I gave all the kids a uh, kid's version of Rich Dad Poor Dad. And I said, you can throw all your other gifts away. That's all that matters. And so information, right, is is what is what I'm after in meaning like the pot, like what, what blows my mind in America is that you deem as human beings, we sit on our ivory tower and we look at the poverty stricken areas and we say, you're less, you don't know, you suck. And what you have to understand after spending much time with alcoholics and in poverty-stricken areas, it's not that they don't want to learn. They're not the information is not available, and so I've made myself very available to explain to them what infinite banking is, explain to them what a loan is, explain to them what money is, because that's how we change society. That's how we change somebody's generational poverty is creating. Just like with your kids, like creating that spark in them to understand that they don't have to do it this way. And, and I'm sure that you get as much joy from that conversation with your son than any asset you'll ever invest in. Oh, absolutely. Uh, my my eight-year-old, we go surf in the mornings and we'll be sitting on the water in between sets and we'll just talk about, you know, life and, and any sets and, and what you want to do and, you know, and like, what do you want to be? And he's like, yeah, I just want to live in my vehicle and surf all out across the world. I'm like, that's an admirable goal. That's fantastic. But what are we going to do to make that happen? Yeah. You know, so this, so the third, I'm buying another property in Milwaukee, single family will be closing this at the end of this month. 
And I came to my kids and I said, Hey, I'm going to put 25% down. I said, you know, I'm going to use easy math. So let's say it's a hundred thousand dollars. Let's say you give me, you give me $300, mm -hmm. right? Well, you get 1% of the, sorry, we're going to put 25% down. So I'm going to put $30,000 down. I said, you give me $300. That's 1%. Right? Cool. Everybody understand? Yes, dad. Okay. He said, then if let's just say we close on the house and now it cash flows 500 bucks a month, you get 1% of that cash flow, which is how much? And like five bucks. Yep. Five bucks. So you make $60 a year on that $300 investment. And we also have a couple jars. We have an expense, we have a tithing and we have an investment jar. And every month, every $10 in the investment jar gets a dollar. So they're making 10% on their money. So this is an opportunity kids for you to make over like as much money as you want in your investment jar, but you're still going to be getting $60 a month on the money that you want to put in. So we'll see if they want to go in and I'll write the contract with them and we'll sign it, you know, and we'll give a little, little fun notary and try to clamp it or something. And, but that's their opportunity, I think, for them to say, Hey, like I am investing in this and this is creating a return. And I'm able to see that. And then, hey, do you want to put it, you know, how do you want to store it? Do you want to store it in like a Robin Hood or do you want to do whatever? Or, you know, however you want to play with that to keep that money going. So we'll see. This is the greatest thing I've ever heard. I'm totally going to figure out a way. This is what everybody should be doing. Like, because it's it's the the art. I call it, I love to add art to the first word. It's the art of knowing, right? And seeing, right? All this stuff is greatly talked about. That's why I study the story, the story, how to tell a story. It's all seen, but when they see the return and they see they're making money, that's when it's like, it really just like creates that spark. And, and it, like, I think it really turns on the light bulb for kids when they can see the, the tangible thing that it can do. So if people want to find out more about you or what you got going on, how would they do that? Uh, I'm pretty much uh, only on Instagram. I uh, Travis Hill thirteen ten one three one zero, and uh, like I said, I, I enjoy connecting people. I I love the network that continues to grow. Uh, been I don't know, like this opportunity to speak with you has been absolutely fantastic. I'm super grateful and humbled about by that opportunity, and uh, yeah, love to just see how I can help you. How I can how I can help you better your life. All about it. Well, perfect. Um, I've got to head out to LA soon uh, to go hang out with my buddy, who's an off-market apartment guy. He's a trip. He's a he's a he's a fun dude. He trades uh, big big old buildings. So uh, we'll have to look you up, and uh, maybe we can head up the coast. And 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 uh, I don't know if you smoke a cigar, but he likes to smoke cigars. So uh, we'll figure it all out. But it's such an honor to meet you, and I you know thank you for your service and everything. I've just truly enjoyed this conversation. So. You know, guys, if you like this episode, make sure you send it out to your friends and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Construct Your Life with Austin Lenny. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and pay it forward by sharing with a friend. Most importantly, take this opportunity to start constructing your life by taking immediate action on what you learned. For show notes, resources, and more information on one-on-one -on -one coaching with Austin, visit constructyourlifepodcast.com.